Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for such a wonderful sense of your Holy Spirit resting upon us today. Lord, we, we know that you're for us. We know that you're towards us. We know that your heart is that we might know you more and that we might grow in you and that we, in turn, might be a blessing to those around us. And as we look at this whole subject of knowing who we are and the call that is on our lives, each of us individually, we we just say, Holy Spirit, again, you're so welcome. We thank you that you're the spirit of truth. We thank you that you lead us into truth. We just pray today, would you, would you lead us by your Holy Spirit? We pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know and understand you better. As we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to read uh, two scriptures together. Both are very well known. Um, I can't remember the order I gave them to Malcolm, but I'm going to start with Luke anyway, Malcolm. Luke chapter 9. This is one of the one of what's called the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And this is the Gospel of Luke, the story that Luke goes around and he gathers up all the stories of Jesus, all the things that Jesus was doing. This is a very famous, uh, actually this is sort of two accounts really in one that I want to read to us. First of all, Luke 9, 1 to 6, and then we'll jump across to verse 10. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority. Let's just say that, power and authority. Power and authority. Now let's say it like we believe it, okay? Power and authority. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. Uh, In another version, it says he sent them out two by two in pairs. And they set out and went from village to village, preaching the good news, the gospel, and healing people everywhere. Uh, Now, uh, verse uh, 10, just go to verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But, 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 uh, sorry, Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Lord, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for this crowd. And Luke adds as an aside, about 5,000 men were there, which means there was possibly 10,000 people. He said to his people, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so. Everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples, set them before the pe- sat before the people, They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets 
of broken pieces that were left over. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why he said, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. When we hear the word men there, it's mankind, it's men and women. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the one, very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, which is how he began uh, this section, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. This is the last in our series. We've been doing a series now through the spring term for a while called Better Together, really looking at the life of the local church. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? And we've been looking at that and sharing that together. And and certainly for now, we may come back to it, but for now, this is the the last one. Next week, we're going to launch, uh, Ashley's going to launch a new series with us called Not Just for Sunday School. All right? So that's going to be our summer series, and uh, you can think about the cryptology of that. Anyway, uh, so this morning, I want to speak about, just for a while, on the ministry of all. The ministry of all. Of all. When we speak of ministry, it's often linked, I think, with expectations. An expectation in the local church is often an interesting one. What should a church, what should our church be expected to do? What should be expected to offer, to provide? And of course, different people are going to have different opinions on that, aren't they? So there's an important question to ask. What, according to the Bible, is the role of the local church. Now again, there are lots and lots of ways that we could answer that, and I suspect people have answers to that one. But I think we can actually summarize the purpose of the church in two words. And uh, they come from the words of Jesus, which is a good place to come from. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. See if you can spot the two words that I think sum up the purpose of the church. 
Verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is the two words that sums up the purpose of the church? Make disciples. Wonderful. The purpose of the church, to make disciples. Now, of course, we want to influence uh, the community and the world for peace, for goodness in our society and culture. Of course, we want to reach out to and care for those who are wounded and hurting in all sorts of ways. But actually, as odd as this perhaps sounds coming out of my mouth, it's not our primary purpose. It's not our first concern. The church's primary function is to help people mature in their faith, to make disciples, to grow spiritually. And of course, that begins with those who are far from Jesus. We need to reach out to those who are far from Jesus in order that they might become and grow on to be disciples. And then the ministry of all sorts, will flow from that maturing discipleship. Ministry that will go far from the four walls of any given building as the Holy Spirit leads and directs. Is anybody battling, else battling with hay fever today? So, words like teaching, training, releasing, preparing, equipping all become a core part of who we are and what we do. And that's also, of course, where these gifts of Ephesians chapter 4 come in. Again, there's a lot that we could say about each of these gifts or titles, uh, named gifts. I want to take a few moments just to look at this title that is given, the pastor and teacher. And you see, now on the surface, you say, well, that's quite obvious. We know what that is. It's quite straightforward, isn't it? Um, I'm fairly sure that even in this room, there might be some slight, maybe even large differences in what we might understand of that role, interpretations, and how it relates to each one of us. Now, broadly, I'm just going to give you very quickly three, if you like, little cameos of how I think people think about that role when they hear the word pastor-teacher, and it comes from Ephesians for here that's mentioned in other places in different ways. Just to say, I'm not here this morning pointing a finger. I'm not pointing a finger at this church. I'm not pointing a finger at any individual. What I want us to do this morning is to understand where our thinking is, how we think, how each one of us think, and how that thinking relates to the Bible and what God has actually called each one of us to. All right, you with me? But here's the first one. It's, I say it's a bit of a cameo. The first one that we might put up. Thanks, Malcolm. The church pays the pastor to do the ministry. And this is perhaps a, quite a historical view. Maybe more common in smaller churches. Some that perhaps have been going for a very long time. Maybe there's an established board of what's sometimes called deacons or the PCC. Um, And they actually have quite a historical and detailed authority uh, in that setting. And essentially the pastor, as he's often referred, or the vicar maybe, whatever, is hired, if you like, hired in to preach and to visit the sick. 
Now, there might be uh, one or two very dedicated folk who serve in particular roles. Maybe they, somebody plays the piano or the organ. Maybe somebody makes the tea. Somebody does the flowers. Those kinds of things. But essentially, the pastor does the rest of the work. Now, I say it's a bit of a, a cliche cameo, but you get the idea. Are you with me so far? The second one, I think this is the one that a lot of us, at least subconsciously, think like. The people help the pastor do his ministry. Okay, it's better than the first one. Um, In this scenario, there are some, sometimes many people, who actively get involved in serving various ministries of the church. The pastor is encouraging, shepherding, who expresses gratitude to the people for helping them to, to carry the load. But essentially, the pastor is still, if you like, the spiritual hero of the church. And also, it's quite likely, they, that person is quite likely to be the default person to whom we throw the ball back when we get busy, or if we change our minds um, about something that we'd like to be doing. Okay, you with me? Got that picture? I think perhaps many of us think that way, maybe. I'll leave it for you to mull over. The third one, this I believe is the biblical principle that is found in Ephesians chapter 4. The pastor helps the people do their ministry. The role of the pastor teacher, and actually I'm using this because it's here in Ephesians 4, but we do believe in local eldership and so I, I would talk about the elders of the church in this very much as well. It's not first and foremost to do all the ministry, but rather to help equip the people to do the work of ministry that God has called them to do. The pastor teacher will be active in all sorts of different levels, of course, pastoring and teaching for sure, but they're also actively releasing, coaching, equipping, encouraging, building, strengthening the people, or to use uh, Bible language, the body, the body. Who? The, it's the body who are the spiritual heroes. It's the body who builds the church. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians, they build themselves up. Ephesians 4.16. So the pastor teacher expresses thankfulness to the people, not for helping him, although I'm sure like me, they are very grateful and very appreciative. But the pastor teacher is actually in thankfulness to the people for serving the Lord Jesus and for advancing the vision of the kingdom of God through the church and out into the, to the world and the nations to the ends of the earth. So I just want you to listen again uh, to Ephesians chapter 4. And I I gave uh, Malcolm a set of this verse, and I just highlighted some things. Just listen and look at some of the emphasis that is given. So it was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare or equip, some translations may say. That word there literally means to put into joint. That the gift is used, that which has been dislocated, to put it back into joints. It's the literal translation there. To prepare or equip, to put into joint God's people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all 
reach unity in the in faith, in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this is a call on every follower of Jesus to become mature. It's not that some become mature and some just sit and are spectators, or uh, some are going to be leaders and others, well, we, you know, I don't have a part to play. No, we all have a part to play. We all, each one. So at the heart of this gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is this understanding that each one should be released. Each one should be empowered to serve and lead according to their gifts and their calling. Now, please don't get me wrong. I appreciate all your personal support and encouragement. But ultimately, it isn't that you're here to help me in my ministry but that I and other leaders as God raises them among us are here to serve and help you fulfill your calling in serving the Lord Jesus, in fulfilling the kingdom vision that he has placed in our hearts individually and particularly as a body of Christ here at at Apex. So it's important for us to understand that those of us who are disciples, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're not spectators. Did you know that? We're not spectators, and we're certainly not consumers. I wonder if it will be a good one today. Have you ever thought that, even if you haven't said it? I hope it's a good one today. I need it to be a good one today. What will it be done like? Who's going to speak? Oh, I hope they keep me awake. Whatever. Will I like what I hear? Will, the worship, will it be a good worship band today? You ever? I've felt that. I've thought that. So I'm sure others have. But you see, we're disciples. We're not consumers. We're not spectators. We are all ministers. I want to say that to you. We are all ministers. As we sometimes say, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. That doesn't mean that we all become Anglican vicars. I hope you... I hope you're with me and understanding, but that you can all hear from God. You can all prophesy, Scripture says. You can, you can lay hands on one another. You can all encourage. You can all build. You can all strengthen. And so when I know that and I understand that, I don't come thinking, oh, I hope it's a good one today. I understand where that's coming from. If you've had a challenging week, you're wanting to come into the presence of God. You're wanting to be led by him. But as somebody said this morning, what I thought was so helpful, actually begin to worship. Become with an attitude of worship. Begin to take part. You take part. And as you take part, you add to it. Because it might well be the person next to you is an even harder and challenging place than you are. And if you're not taking part, then there's two of you not taking part, and it's not long before. But actually, we all come ready to contribute. We all come ready to minister. Now, of course, there are different gifts. I recognise as I began to write this and bring this together, this is a massive subject. And I thought I could, I could tell there's going to be, yeah, but Mark, but there's all the, we could actually do probably two or three weeks on this subject. And probably we need to come back again, don't we, to the area of gifts. Because there are different gifts. 
And there are different levels of gifts. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. There are different levels of gifts and strengths within any given body. And that's why we need to call that out of one another. Because some of us can be a bit passive. We can sit back. And actually we've got so much inside of us to give, but we're sitting back and not giving. And so one of the roles that you find me doing, and I know some of you, many of you have been on the receiving end of it and will continue to be, is I just keep provoking. I keep stirring and I say, don't I, Kay? I say, come on, have a go, have a go. So I squirm and wriggle. But actually that's what the Bible has told me is my job. So every time you get asked or provoked or encouraged, I'm only doing my job, all right? So don't beat me, no. <laughs> But we need, to under, we need to understand that. Now, of course, I have a part to play. Yes, I have gifts. We'll come back to that in a minute. There are things for me to do, of course. But actually, it's all, all of us. And I just love that word, obedience. Just a simple word, case. I just feel this word, obedience. And, you, you know, sometimes you can get a word, prophetic people will know that, and you think, oh, I can't bring that. What on earth are people going to think? We've got to get braver at bringing things. We've been talking about that, Mike, haven't we? And we, we're going to, Mike's going to be coming around stirring some of you as well, by the way, so look out, all right? Come on, you've got something in there, you're going to give it. But that word obedience, it's a powerful word. It's a very biblical word. Just a simple word. It comes this morning. And I, how do we respond? As somebody said, we make a choice. Do we step towards the things of God or do we step away from them? Gone completely off my notes, but anyway, there we are. So different gifts, right? We need to bring because the Lord will give things and, and each part does its work. If you're not playing your part, if you're not involved, there is something that is missing, okay? But I believe very much that God gives much into the body of Christ that will be found there within a body. And certainly within sort of 80 or so people like ourselves, there will be many, many gifts Many, many gifts, and we need to see those coming out. So some will have the gift of leadership and exercise that at different levels. Some will have the gifts of compassion, caring, mercy, shepherding, and so on. Others will be in more practical areas, say in the the area of helps or administration. But each one is called by God. Each one is chosen. Each one is gifted by God, and each one has a part to play. Now, I don't know if this will press any buttons, but I just felt God laid this so clearly on my heart this week, so I'm going to go for it. One of the challenges in today's society, one of the challenges we can face in all of this that I'm sharing, is that we live in a world of specialists. Think of any news item, virtually any news item today, if you're going to watch the news Whatever the subject, a specialist will be rolled out. Is that right? Now, whether they always are a specialist and what their credentials are, um, one doesn't really know sometimes. Um, but, and, and you can have a job as a specialist, you know. You can, you, can, you can be a specialist. Now, again, I'm in danger of being misunderstood, but I'm being brave and going for it, trusting the Spirit of God. There's nothing wrong... Nothing wrong in gaining a greater degree of knowledge in a specific area. Of course there isn't. Although a very good friend of mine said, you do know what a PhD stands for, don't you? And I said, no. He said, piled higher and deeper. Anyway. (laughs) Um, 
That went down like a lead balloon. Um, <clears throat> but we constantly need to be aware of the danger of the world's culture and thinking being brought into the local church in all sorts of ways. Can I say that again? We constantly need to be aware of the danger of the world's culture and thinking being brought into the local church. This is what is our basis. This is what we stand on. This is what we uh, die on. (laughs) This is what we believe. Now, I know that it needs to be interpreted well. We need to understand it well. And God gives gifts of those who can teach it and dig into it and uh, have the privilege of spending time digging into it. But let me just, in this area of specialists, let me give you a couple of examples. You see, on the one hand, when we have specialists or titles in the local church, if we're not careful, we can quickly find ourselves leaving it, whatever it is, to the specialist. All right? So, oh, that's their, their, that's their job. They're called that, so they, they do it. Are you with me? Do you understand? We can leave it to them to do it. So, let's boil it right down. Let's take prayer ministry just for a moment. Ah, oh, ah, oh, that's the prayer team's role. Prayer ministry, that's the prayer team's role. Or even worse, oh, I'm not allowed to pray for people because I'm not in the prayer team. Now we might smile, but actually I've heard that one even since I've been here. Oh, well, I'm not in the prayer team. Okay? Now sure, a team has a part to play. And badges are useful, particularly for people who are new to the church and don't know who's who. But are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Rhetorical question, but think about it. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Is your heart to bless, to build, to strengthen and encourage? Then you need to know freedom to be blessing to one another. Somebody please say amen. We can all, indeed should, be looking to bless and to pray for each other. Because if you're a believer, you are a minister of Jesus Christ. In fact, to pick up another verse, you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador of Jesus. You go with the authority of heaven. So I don't want to hear anybody say, I'm not allowed to pray because I'm not in the prayer team. That's bunkum. Okay, please, sorry, that's as strong as I'm going to get. It's just not true. It's not my heart. I don't believe it's Susan's heart. Susan, I've asked to help coordinate something and do something in an organized way because the Bible says be coordinated, be organized. Don't let people slip through the gaps. So we're going to organize and coordinate it. But that, just because they've got badges, that's for people who don't know who's who. But also it just sets apart a group of people who are setting apart some time to do something. But we are all ministers. And so... There is tea and coffee in 10 minutes' time afterwards, but I want to say to you, we're going to share communion. I want us to minister to one another. Now, as a shepherd in the body, 
I do have concerns. And some of you who've got that shepherding, caring heart might also have concerns. I've gone right off my notes now. Because you might think, yeah, but what happens if that wacko person comes to pray for me? Okay? I'm just going to shoot. I'm shooting some elephants. All right? But I I don't want such and such to pray for me. Listen, brothers and sisters, we need to hear this. Is your heart to build, bless, strengthen, and encourage? That's the starting place. If you're wanting to bring criticism, be very careful with that. Go and weigh it with others. By the way, they were sent out two by two. There is much wisdom in doing it with others. Having others stood beside you. In fact, I would suggest every time you pray for anything or share anything, do it with others stood there. There's accountability in that. I also want to say this to you. If somebody does say something and you think, I don't believe that's in the Bible, I don't believe that's true, you have perfect permission to say, no, sorry, can we just stop? We don't have to just open our hearts and receive anything. We don't do that with the television, do we? Or the internet, do we? So why would we do it in the church? We have a wisdom... But we come wanting to build strength and encourage. Ah, oh, but no, the, uh, the specialist, the specialist. No, you can all minister, but you do it with care and love. But if you are unsure, you can ask somebody, just gently, be smiley. Could you just stop a minute? I'm not sure I believe what you're saying. And you can talk about it. Now, we've got to be a bit brave in these things, but this is the challenge with this specialist thing that can come into the church We have a team. There is a part to play for a team. But we need to know freedom. People are badged to give time and availability, which is great, particularly for visitors to know who's who. But we can all, indeed are all, exhorted by the word of God to bless, to strengthen and build and encourage each other. Amen? Just going to stay with the specialist. As I seem to have got your heart and you're still with me, I'm going to go to something even more challenging, all right? Okay? Just staying with this specialist culture for a moment. It's even a bit more challenging. You can't help me properly because you're not the pastor. Or you've not been trained. Or you can't help me, uh, or I've not been properly cared for, to put it around the other way, because the pastor hasn't seen me or prayed for me. Just was reminded of a wonderful story Steve Oliver used to tell years ago. Steve is the father in our family of churches that we're part of, if you're a visitor here today. But way back in the day, 1994, that date will mean something to some of you, But Steve felt really prompted by God to go and visit the Airport Vineyard Church in Toronto. He was a businessman at the time. He was traveling. He was over in somewhere in North America and that that part of the world. And he felt God said to him, go and see what was going on. At the time, in this tiny little church on the edge of the airport at Toronto, God was moving in great power really was moving. People's lives were being profoundly impacted by the work of the Holy Spirit. People were coming in from all over the world and encountering the presence of God and it was being taken back to different parts of the world. And God said to Steve, he was on business, change your flight, go and see. And so like so many people, he arrived. In fact, so many people were arriving at the time that they had actually, it was only a little church, so they put lines on the floor of the carpet. Just being practical, there's nothing super spiritual about it. And basically, you stood in a line waiting to be prayed for. 
And the dear uh, pastor and his wife uh, at the time, John Arnott, his wife Carol, were praying for people. But other people were, being, were praying and ministering in the Spirit for hours, hours and hours and hours. And Steve, said, he tells the story and he said, I was waiting for John Arnott. He said, I, I, want, I want John Arnott to come and pray for me. I need to get, get him to pray for me. And, you know, and if it's not John, well, maybe Carol, but you know, one or other of those, that's, that's what I want. That's how he used to tell the story. He actually waited there for hours, as did many others. I don't know how many hours, but it was many hours. And he's waiting and he's standing there any minute now. And then he felt a touch on his hand. He's like, this is it. Opened his eyes, waiting to see John Arnott or uh, Carol Arnott. And he said there was this little tiny lady, quite elderly. Uh, she was one of the Sunday school teachers. And he said she began to pray. And he said, initially I thought, oh no, I've waited here for hours. Hours, I've stood on the line, I've kept my space. And this, who is this little tiny, because he's six foot six or whatever he is, little tiny elderly Sunday school teacher. The power of God came on Steve in such a way that he hit the floor. But God began to minister into his life, healing over the dramatic death of his mother due to cancer, which he'd never recovered from. God began to heal him. God began to speak to him about the daisies of Africa. You know that story. God began to speak to him about going, laying down business and all the things that they had in a beautiful part of a Cape Town, and going to the poorest of the poor. And today, we are one of 180 churches around the world uh, in regions beyond family. I don't want this little... Who's this little Sunday school teacher person? I, I want the specialist. I want... No. What do you want? Do you want the person or do you want God? Mark. <laughs> I know that one myself. I've been in those meetings... Ah, I remember one meeting in Swindon. There was a very well-known guy. His name was Mark Sharona. You, some of you may have heard of him. He moves in real power and signs and wonders. And he came to a meeting at Swindon. He prayed for everybody all the way around me apart from me. Literally, he prayed for all the people around me. And he went on praying for people behind me. And he, I never got prayed for. It's like... Literally, literally what happened. People were going down under the spirit. Stuff was happening. It's like... And I know God spoke to me and I know he speaks to me. Mark, do you want the specialist or do you want me? Yes, some will have more maturity and experience than others for sure. But each one of us is called by God and each one of us who believe, to quote Ephesians 1.19, have his incomparably great work at work in us. If you're a believer, the incomparably power of God is at work. We can each minister. Let's not be quick to dismiss the gift of God that is found in the body of the local church. Please hear me. I'm not saying we can't go to outside counsellors at times. There's a wisdom. I understand that. But actually, there is so much more in the local body than we give it credit for, I believe. And even if, 
I might be considered to have more maturity or experience than another, that's also because I was given encouragement and opportunity to grow in days gone by. People took risks with me. People allowed me to have a go. People allowed me to make mistakes. Even here today, the truth is I still make mistakes, and I will because I want to learn and I want to grow. I'm still learning and I'm still growing. We all are. I'm not who I was, who I am today, who I was then. I had opportunity to learn and grow. And so we've got to be in an environment where we can do that with care, with love, with accountability and all of those good things. I have strengths. I have weaknesses. So there are others in the church who are much more gifted by God in certain areas than I am. If you want to come and have real in-depth conversations about your finance, I've got... See, did you hear the laughter that came? (laughs) I've got faith. I've got experience of 35 years of marriage and so on. But go to Jill. Or someone, go to someone who, who can just come with wisdom and understanding. We need, we need it, I, I don't have all the answers. But part of my job is to say, I know who does. I know a man who does. I know a woman who can. So that's, that's what I feel God brought me to this church, particularly for that, to see this body released. And, and that's happening more and more. I'm going to finish Literally say, Mark, you, you, uh, you read Luke chapter 9. What was that all about, all right? Well, I'm coming into land if you're panicking and thinking, how long does this sermon go on in this church? All right, let me just, I'm going to almost walk through Luke 9 as a finish and as a prayer. So just, just hear it, okay? Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls the 12. I got you to say it, but hear it again. He gave them power and authority. We need to hear that, brothers and sisters, We've been given power and authority to drive out demons, cure diseases. Do you know the power and authority that is yours in Christ? What is stopping you? Now you might say, I need to learn some more. I need to understand some more. Great. Let's talk about how we can do that. Let's talk about how we can help one another through life groups, through, through learn groups, through learn times, uh, all sorts of ways. Let's look at, keep looking at that. We've just finished Freedom in Christ. Just was reminded again, the superb material that is in there. We'll be wanting to roll that out again in the future, I'm sure. He gave them authority and power. He sent them out. Do you know that you already have permission to go? You have the power of authority. Are you waiting for permission? You already have it. And you have instructions as to what to do with it. Proclaim the kingdom and heal the sick. Here's a challenging one though, isn't it? Take nothing with you for the journey. Why why did he say that? Just think for a second. Outside of school or your educational sort of journey, when have been the times that you have learnt the most? When have been the times that you have grown the most as a person? Trial, testing, lack, pain, those are the times, aren't they? Take nothing for the journey. Why? He wanted them to learn to trust, to become dependent on the resources and the power they had already been given by Christ. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Back in the uh, late 80s, I think, very late 80s, early 90s, there was something that used to happen called Christmas Cracker. I don't know if anybody remembers it. It was out of an oasis. But it was basically a cooking event for young people. What you would do is you would cook like a beggar's banquet, they called it. The teenagers would learn how to cook. They'd do it. The church, would, in trepidation, would pay their, their money. All the money essentially went to good, good projects and initiatives in areas of social deprivation. The teenagers got to work together as a team. Back in those days, I was a youth leader in a, in a Baptist church down in Poole, and uh, we did a Christmas cracker event. I did it with them. We made a menu, got them cooking, got them allocated with tasks and so on. We did that for a couple of evenings, and then at the end of the evening, we'd have a feedback. Um, and on the third night, we were having our feedback. It had all gone well. Nobody died, which was a good sign. And, and then I said to them, they're all there in the kitchen, I said, I won't be here tomorrow night. And they're like, what? I said, no, you're fine. You're fine. I won't be here. You do it. You can do it. You know how to do it. You do it. Um, I'm th- and I, inside I'm thinking, Lord, don't let them poison the church. Don't let them poison the church. Don't you know? Not only did they do fine, you should have been there as they talked about the evening and how it had gone and who'd done what and who dropped what and, you know, and who got to do the washing up and who was in charge and who, you know... They talked about it for weeks. Because as you read the account, don't you, of the 72, what does it say? They came back. Lord, even the demons submitted to us. He said, don't take anything with you. All authority in heaven on earth I've given to you. Now go, but don't take anything else. Some of us, these are days when we need to begin stepping out. Even this morning as we break bread together, you need to begin to step out and minister to one another. Mark's account says he sent them out by two by two. I haven't got time to really unpack that. But just to say again, there is great strength and great wisdom in accountability together. Okay? We're not into lone wolves and lone sharks. We know what those words even mean. We're not into doing something hidden away in a corner, out the back where no one else can see. We're, we're doing it together. We're a body together. If you want to do something hidden and quiet, I want to say, why? Nothing, nothing should be hidden and tucked away. It needs to be open before, before each other. There's an accountability. And we can grow from one another. Amen? We can learn. When the apostles return, they report to Jesus what they've done. He takes them with them to Bethsaida. Bethsaida. The crowds learned about it. They followed him. Just know, he welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God. There it is again. He healed all those who needed healing. What Jesus did, you know, is pretty basic most of the time. Kingdom of God, healing, all right? Now it's massive, we know that. Late in the afternoon, disciples come to Jesus. Lord, it's really remote place here. Send the crowd off so they can go and find, you know, food and bed and breakfast. They can go and find it for the night. And he gives them this amazing reply. And I want you to hear this this morning as well. You give them something to eat. You just think about it. I, I mean, there were 5,000 men, by the way, Paul, um, Luke says, so that means that there was a good amount of women and children there as well. So who knows the number? All right, they're all on this hillside. He says, you feed them. You know? And you think, what? Wow. Who? Wow. So, all right, I'll give you a, a practical tip. Just get them to sit down in 50s. I've, I've got some insight. Oh, but by the way, you get them to sit down. Then he... What does it say? Verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish. What did he do? He looked 
up to heaven. And he gave thanks. And he broke it. He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. What does it say? They were all satisfied. Disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Can I invite you to stand? We will, just opportunity, if you need to go, please feel free to go, but there will be a communion, and I'd love us to pray. But just let's stand before the Lord. In that great commission, there's a line that it starts with, that we just heard. I want you to receive it, I want you to hear it, I want you to be provoked and stirred this morning as you just recognize who God has called you to be. If you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus, this is your calling. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go in my name and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. Don't take anything else with you. Learn from me. Be being filled with the Spirit. Lean on the Father. I've given you power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases. You don't need anything else. How will you feed them? What do you have in your hand? Hold it out and look up. What do you have in your hands? Very little, Lord. It's very little. Hold it out and look up. And give thanks. And begin to break it and give it away. And see what the Lord will do. See how he will multiply that which by faith you recognize that is from God. And you give thanks for it. Now give it away in his name. Go and be a blessing and see what the Lord will begin to do. Father, I thank you. Thank you for these great truths in your word. Thank you for the challenge and provocation. Lord, it's not my heart to be malicious or painful, but my heart, Lord, to prepare your people for works of service. Lord, I I long to see us as a body being released more and more. Lord, I long to see your church being equipped. Lord, I pray, show us, teach us, we thank you. I thank you for every gift that is across this body. Thank you for every experience of you, every history in you, every prayer that's been answered. Lord, we just rejoice with Glenn and Helen and Izzy. Lord, we rejoice with them as we see your hand on their lives and others. Lord, we rejoice. Help us to be those, Lord, who have a desire to bless and build and strengthen to give away. We thank you for your body that was given for us. We thank you for your blood. Lord, as you modelled and demonstrated this, Lord, as you got on your knees, took off your outer clothing, washed your disciples' feet, and then you said, now, as I have modelled to you, now go and model it to others. Oh, Father, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Just as we share communion now, as we bless one another, In Jesus' name, amen. If you're not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus, but it's so good that you're here, you're very welcome, please don't take this meal. It's not for you, but the invitation today is to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. 
If you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk with you and others here can talk with you about that. You'd be very welcome to take communion. Let's share together and pray together.